Hello and welcome to the Sabbatarianism podcast. We are happy to have you. Thank you for listening. Uh, we want to encourage everyone to start first at reading your Bible for yourself and then start at the beginning of these podcasts. We, we do not repeat ourselves. We're not going to go over things that we've already talked about in the past. So please start in the beginning and work forward. But we do appreciate your, your listenership. So my name is Justin. I have with me Richard Davis. Good afternoon, Richard Davis. Good afternoon, Justin, and everyone else. Yeah. And once again, Mr. Neil Saul is with us. Hello, Neil. No longer just a sidekick, huh? No, no. I gave you full status. You're now a co-host as well. We're not doing the host-co-host thing anymore. I, I nixed that as well as, as giving the number, and I'm, I'm just not going to conform to all those things that other people do on podcasts, just because. All right, so I have something that I would like to discuss before we get going back in Luke. We're going to start in Luke 10 and keep working uh, forward and keep our study going here, but I have something from last week that I want to talk about, something that I kind of worked through in my head, and I've worked it out for myself, but I wanted to maybe share it with other listeners out there that, that might have thought the same thing that I did. And that is uh, on the transfiguration last week when we talked, we talked about how it could be actually Moses and Elijah and, and that they were raised up for that purpose to come and, and talk. And Neil, you gave the example of Samuel uh, when when. King Saul went to the sorceress or whatever they called her, and, and she called up the dead Samuel. And I had a real problem with that in particular. Not a problem, but I, it, it weighed on me this week. I was thinking about it a lot. And the reason why is I thought, well, if so, then the Messiah wasn't the first to be raised from the dead. But it occurred to me that there were many other instances where people had been raised. Lazarus was raised uh, in Matthew's account of when the Messiah actually dies. He talks about how people came up out of the grave. Uh, there was the, what the person that touched Elijah's bones. Uh, Paul, I believe, raised someone. Um, so there's many other examples of, of people being risen. But what had occurred to me was all of those, in, in every case... I guess we don't know for sure, but they all went back to the grave, whereas the Messiah did not. He was permanently raised, so he would still be the first of that. And so it, it kind of settled things in my mind as to this could be a possibility that it was actually Samuel in the instance with, with King Saul, and it was actually, at least as a possibility, uh, Moses and Elijah. So just wanted to share that, and, and you guys feel free to comment if you'd like. Um, does that all make sense to you? Well, yeah, it, it might be. I, I mean, all we know is what we're told, and then yep. we're left with trying to understand that. And it's not anything I would argue with anyone about. Whether sure. I'd, for most of my adult life, I've thought that this, the spirit and the person of Samuel was not really Samuel. Then it, one day it occurred to me that perhaps it was because he said, "You, why have you called me up before my time?" And uh, 
it could have been in a spirit form. It could have been in a physical form. But like you say, it didn't last. Yeah, not like the Messiah. No. Well, and I'd point out, too, that in uh, uh, chapter 9 of Luke, where it says a, uh, a cloud had descended on him, mm-hmm. and a voice was came out of the cloud, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. They were gone. Okay. Okay. Previously, we're told that his appear- while he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. Okay. He's showing a glimpse of his glorified body. A glimpse of the kingdom. Yeah. Of things to come for right. those now, people now, watching. In every other case, they were, they were not resurrected to a glorified body, but mm. to a physical body. That's and, a good point. And then died. So, uh, so well, I guess Samuel would have been a more of a spiritual body, and Elijah and Moses were glorified in in their appearance. Not in this account, I don't think. No, I Are don't know. Yeah, I don't. Either. I wasn't there. <laughs> it, we're told what we're told, and I don't think there's anything to argue about. Definitely not. Uh, yeah. But it, it just it kind of stuck with me from last week, so I just wanted to share that with the people out there. Um, Neil, I think you have something else to kind of offer about today. Uh, well, the uh, uh, I've been, you know, going through the synoptic gospels as we go through Luke and bringing up certain points when they were basically needed or or brought some clarity. For uh, those unfamiliar with the term, synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're all very similar. Yeah. And, and, and some versions of that will include John, but his are very seldom. It's a very different gospel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very seldom the same. But in these next uh, four or five, maybe six chapters, you don't of find Luke. it of Luke. But from at least 10 through 16, you get no, uh, no, no account in either Matthew or Mark. So these are largely Luke, things that Luke are only. exclusive to Luke. Yeah. That's an interesting uh, anecdote there. So, all right, uh, let's get started here. Richard, I don't guess you have anything. No. You wanted to? Yep, I figured. Uh, will you read today again for us? I'll try. All right, Luke 10. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money, bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that 
excuse me, but I say to you that it will be better, it will be more tolerant in that day of, for Sodom than for that city. I'll I just find, stop yeah. right there. Okay. Okay. He's talking here, obviously, about going out to the cities of the scattered Israelites. Because mm-hmm. not the time for the Gentiles yet. And those cities of peace are shalom, those that would be looking for this and would witness the miracles. And that's the reason he gave them power to perform miracles and would accept, invite them in and accept the word that they're given to offer it. But if that spirit of that person rejected it, to dust off the feet against them. And that verse 12 is very critical. It says, but I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day of Sodom than for that city. Now that goes back to the what he legally declared in, as we went over in the history of the covenants when he would regather Israel, began to regather, regather by a better covenant that you would have those of Ephraim, which was the inheritance of Joseph, that would be offered this covenant first. Then Sodom and her daughters, or the Gentiles, that goes back to the book of Jeremiah and to Ezekiel. And then after that, at the time of his second coming, would be Judah. But this critical time that he's, what he's doing here is beginning the gospel to the first fruits, which is Ephraim. We reference Jeremiah 31 for that. And those that would not accept, those children of the kingdom or of Israel that would not accept are to be put in outer darkness. That means away from the light to a later time. It doesn't mean to eternal condemnation. And it would be better in that day for Sodom and her daughters as the prophecy said, then for those with Judah and her daughters. We because the that. people of Sodom yeah. had never known it. That's right. Whereas these people have, and they rejected it. Yes. Now, Therefore, it's better for the Sodom. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, if you haven't, anybody hasn't been here, go back to the, and understand what that's about. Go back to the history of the covenants. We went through that order. It's, Ezekiel lays it out, Ezekiel 16, and also in uh, Jeremiah 2, beginning in Jeremiah 2 and 3 in that area, and Hosea 1, all the prophecies that list Israel or the scattered kingdom as of the northern kingdom as being those that would be offered this gospel first because while they had been disobedient and cast off first, Judah and her daughters had, or those aligned with her, had been even more evil after having seen what happened to the northern kingdom. Therefore, the judgment on them would be greater. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I find verse 5 and 6 to be really interesting here. Uh, But whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. That's just, it's like I just read that for the very first time. I've obviously read it a lot of times before that, but uh, it just hit me. What he's actually saying there is, 
He, he's talking about a spirit, is what it says to me. Is yes. He's talking about a spirit that would be with these men as they go, and if if the if they enter a house with the right heart, with the right spirit, then then that spirit would be with them, and if not, take your spirit and go elsewhere. Well, and I think they would. It, it was something they would recognize. Yeah. And and uh, you know, getting back to what Richard said, that uh, they were sent to to you know lost sheep of the house of Israel, and he says, uh, "Heal the sick there, and say to them, this is verse nine: the kingdom of God has come near to you." Well, I believe we talked about this at the beginning of, of Luke that p- there were people expecting Messiah to come on the scene, mm-hmm. and these people may very well may have also. In the same way he said to John the Baptist, tell him what you've seen. You've seen the de- uh, people healed and demons cast out, and he's saying the same thing here. Do those things in front of them so that they will know that the Messiah is here, the new covenant you've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Verse 13, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty deeds which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. That refers back to what we mm-hmm. just discussed. Yep. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. He who hears you hears me. He who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Then the seventy returned with joy, the later time, I, I presume, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall be by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So, he, you know, he's warning them not to make too big a, not to get the big head, big head because yeah. of this, yes. And There's that, a lot in what you just read right there. Yeah. And I think really think that when he's saying scorpions and serpents, well, that could be literal, but I think it's talking about evil spirits I as well. I do too, yes. yeah. And that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? Now, a lawyer, of course, would have been a scribe as well. 
when he was oh, in charge okay. of keeping and preserving the law. He said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. Likewise the Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him he had compassion passion and he went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine and he set him on his own animal brought him to an inn and took care of him on the next day when he departed he took out two denarii gave them to the innkeeper and said to him take care of him and whatever more you spend when i come again i will repay you so which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Mary was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. (laughs) (laughs) And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. That kind of reminds me of of this last part of John there where Peter's asking him uh, I forgot what Peter was asking him but he he turns to him and says what business is that of yours he was at, he, Jesus was giving instructions to John and Peter wanted to know essentially what was going on there Yeah, and he said what business is that of yours if, if he remains until I return yeah I mean mind your own business yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a good lesson for all of us well jesus was just saying get your priorities straight here you're you're all concerned about what your house is like and what is being done here and uh fairness this, she was physical little rituals yeah. and things and the more important things than that yeah uh th- this exchange with the lawyer so that's interesting. You say that would have been a scribe. I, I yes. hadn't put that together. Yeah. And of course, a, a great lesson here with the uh, the good Samaritan. Is this the parable of the good Samaritan? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It was a gr- that's a great one. Anything else, Neil? No, I, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Chap- yeah, chapter ten. There. Yeah. Chapter eleven, then. Now it came to pass that he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy, 
hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this, give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. The other That's versions say, chain, yeah. as we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And I think there's some legitimacy in that. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he's his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a man asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? to those who ask him. So the lesson here is is God does know what you need, but you're still supposed to pray to him. Yes. And with persistence. Yes, and he will give you what you need and it's not always what you think you need. Right. Need that's and a, want are that's two a, different things. Right. That's a whole lesson in and of itself. Right. And I think uh, it's interesting ask a seek s k Knock, A-S-K, ask. <laughs> but yeah. the finality of it is, in the, verse 13, if you then, who Being are evil, evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? This isn't about getting a Ferrari. Right. Or, about, or whatever. Yeah. What you really need is the Holy Spirit. Exactly. And then everything else falls into place. Then your contentment, your right. all these things that we desire in life occur. You'll realize you don't need a Ferrari if you have the Holy Spirit. Well, but rent money would be nice sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Verse 14. And he was casting out a demon and it was mute. So it was. When the demon had gone out, that the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Others, testing him, sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falls. That's a good lesson for today. If Satan also explain that, Richard. Um, well, that's the way our nation is today, divided terribly. Yeah, those who in, want in to so do. many different ways. It's almost like it's it's being pushed of men against women, of Republicans against Democrats, of that's these exactly people against what's these occurring. peoples. That's exactly what's by occurring. design. By design, that's in order right. to destroy our nation. 
and us as a people. Yes. Spiritually. Mm-hmm. 18. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your son cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. Who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. So what is the armor that he trusted in? Whatever it was. Well, I, I look at this, of he, he, he's looking to the wrong thing for protection. You look to God for protection, and that should be your armor, like what Paul brings out in Ephesians. Yes. But he's making a point here. He's the stronger one. Right. And he comes to put an end to what Satan is doing. Mm. But he, he's showing the hypocrisy of these people who, who claim they're casting out demons, but then when they see somebody else casting them out, they claim, well, that's from Beelzebub. How silly is that? Right. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that part. Yeah, that, yeah, that do not make any sense. So he, he's making a point here that he's in charge of all, all of it. And, and another part of that is that uh, it showed that even the Pharisees and, and the scribes, the Sadducees, whoever, were also casting out demons at, at, during this time period. They were able to do it. Yeah, evidently. Because, without the name of Messiah. Yeah. Hmm. Verse 24, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest. And finding none, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Big lesson there, too. Yes, unless you put something positive back, doesn't do any good to drive the evil out. Because, you need to fill up with the yes, Holy Spirit or the, that's right. or the bad spirits will find their way back in. Yes. And it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. But he said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And while the crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say, This is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to that, this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up in judgment from the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment from with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. It goes back to just making a point of how their evil is filled up. I mean, 
what they're doing in the rejection of the Messiah is much greater than the rejection that these other people, or not the rejection, but the witness these other people had because they acknowledged what was before. They repented. Yeah. No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. When your eye is bad, it says good and bad. There's another place in you know the original that says your eye is single or your eye is double. And that will be witness for what he says later here. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If when your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, see, only only light and no part of it dark. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Goes no back room. to being yeah. double-minded. You know, or you have your own uh, uh, self-motive involved in what you know and understand. Like the guy from Zechariah that you described who, who was only tending the sheep for the slaughter. Yeah. That's the sheep for slaughter. Yeah. Yeah. They have their own personal initiative involved in this. And when your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light. It's when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. So truth is truth, and what God gives you to do should be from a godly love to other people and response to your love for God, and it shouldn't have any compromise. Or strings attached to it. Or bipartisanship. That's that's an evil word, my estimation. It means half good and half bad. Wouldn't tolerance fall under that as well? Tolerance of evil. Yeah. I mean, we don't need to compromise with what is right. There can be compromise with certain issues that people mm-hmm. want that are all legitimate. But there should be no compromise with what is right and wrong. In terms of peace, which is shalom, it means God's true order. Okay. Which yeah. we, we have seen that in the world uh, for, for 20, 30 years now, you know, on steroids. What do you mean? This, well, the, the bipartisanship and the— Oh, yeah. Uh, the compromise you know, with evil. Yeah. Right. Compromise That's what with I evil. See. Yeah. That's what I see. And as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and sat down to eat. When the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, make, your, make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Now, I believe that we can compare this right here to Matthew 23. I don't know if this is exactly at the same moment or account, but he's covering the same issue here. Now, your Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also, but rather give alms of such things that you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. Those you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Put the, put the right thing in the right order. You know, if you really love God and others, you're going you're gonna to follow the laws and the rules and the procedure that equals love and how you, you relate to others as well as God. 
but get your heart right. You're not going to be justified by works. No. No. Get the heart right, and right. the rest of it will. Right. If your heart's right, that will fall in place. Right. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. Then one of the lawyers answered and said to him, Teacher, by saying these things you reproach us also. And he said, Woe to you also, lawyers or scribes, for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore, the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the temple. Yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation. That, that really goes back also to the uh, prayer of Stephen before he was stoned. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. And the key of knowledge is also called the key to the house of David. We get Isaiah 22 and from the book of Revelation that tells you that only Christ is able to open shut that at this time. Now, they had been formally charged, them and their fathers, with preserving the laws of God as God had given them and they had corrupted them. They had the scepter. Yeah. And he's here to take it away. Because of these things. That's right. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in, you hindered. And he said these things to, and as he said these things to him, the scribes and Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things, lying wait for him and seeking to catch him in something. He might say that they might accuse him. So it made him mad when he told them the truth about themselves. Well, to, to kind of set the scene here, this would be the equivalent of a man walking into Congress and just scorching them. Yeah. Taking really every about. single one of them to task to their face. Yeah. This was a, this was a pretty big deal here of, of what he's doing, and, and I'm sure that they were just aghast. No one had ever treated them like this. Or, or any of the seminaries across the country you know they believe that they're god's authority and right. god's all knowledge some of all knowledge of god and truth has been given to them and he's coming here and saying the the double-mindedness the politic the politic the politics of you and your organization and your motives and why you're doing this for money or power or self-importance or greed or to be seen a man all these things are double-mindedness have gone to the point where you cannot understand that you represent the opposite of what God's word is about. And and yeah, very well put, Richard. And he, he even right here in the beginning of this goes into you're you're more into your own traditions than you are what God actually told you to do. Yeah. 
And that's why they were being cut off. Yeah. And I don't know if it was happening at this time, but what became, uh, or what came out of the Pharisaical movement, we'll say, in Babylon and after, would become rabbinical Judaism. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, you know, believed that they had the authority to change the scripture to their satisfaction. Yes. And that God would have to obey it or agree with it. And That's that what he their had, belief he is. He had implanted that into their minds. Yeah, so basically. Were, yeah. And that is, you know, just as, as corrupt and, and uh, double-mindedness as you can get. Yeah. And I find this part, too, where they say, hey, teacher, by saying these things, you reproach us also. And then he just <laughs> tore into them, too. <laughs> I love this part. Yeah. And there's a lot of exclamation points here. You know, I, I don't, we don't know the actual tone of it, but this was heated, in my opinion. This was not just him um, having a conversation. He was getting after these men. Chapter 12. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, for there's nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you've spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed in the housetops. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who killed the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins and not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. That's good to know. Yeah. Because we're told today that we're not, that every little animal is greater than all human life by the pantheist. So let's cover this part here. Fear him after he is killed, who after he is killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Well, I know there's another place that says that he, he said, what he said was, fear him was able to kill the spirit, both the body and the spirit. Right. Which will, whatever destruction that that the final comes death. upon it. Yes. Yeah, to, to completely end saying. things. I, I, I personally do not believe in, in uh, and I don't think either one of you do either, the, of eternal punishment for anyone. Or eternal punishing. Right. Yeah, it'll be eternal punishment. It'll be it forever. just means lights out. You're, yeah, you're done. That's right. It, destroy you, means away destroy. Away from God. Yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean eternal life in some hellfire. It means destroy. Right. Period. Verse 8. Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. 
Now, when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there I'll store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So it's he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. It doesn't say you you shouldn't take care of yourself and plan ahead and be wise. But he's talking about your priorities. Glory, and where you're glorying. Mm-hmm. Yes. He gloried in himself about how much he could stock up and all that and didn't give God the the praise or the, or the thanks for what was yes, happening there. that's right. Um, I take a lot of solace in verse 12 here. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that hour what you ought to say. Yes. So in a, in a time of trouble, the Holy Spirit has the ability, of course, to kind of take over and guide you and, guide and your help mind. you guide your mind, guide your mouth, and and really help you in in a real time of need like this. And that's, of course, very comforting to me. Well, and if you you know go back to eleven, they bring you before the synagogues, and the rulers and the authorities. Okay. Uh, when that starts to happen, I mean, this, this, you may say it's a court case. You get right. pulled into court. Right. But most of the time when we go to court, it's because we did something wrong. You know, in this case, I'm not so, so sure that's well, right. what's going on. And, and who knows what the future brings. It may be that you go to church on Saturday. Right. We're going to bring you up and. You know, wacky. <laughs> yeah, who knows what the future brings, and that's why we all know that. You know, the the end times sound pretty scary. Who knows when they are? What's going to happen? All that. I, I don't get into much of that, but if things like that do start to happen, I this tells me that the Holy Spirit, if it's inside of me and I just allow it to work, that it will take over and and help guide me and direct me through those perilous times through well, those times of trouble uh if if we get to a point in our lives where things are like that uh death may be preferred well yeah yeah that's what he said back here earlier in the chapter he said don't don't fear don't fear people that can kill you yeah i mean it's only temporary <laughs> You know, you better fear God. Right. 
verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, nor which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? And I think it's important to to notice who he's talking to here. Uh, of course, you know, preachers will tell their congregations this, and that's legitimate. But he's talking to the people that are going to carry the word of God. You know, and these words here are a great condemnation on those who peddled the word of God, as Paul would call it, for money. Mm. He said, don't even have what you're going to eat tomorrow on your mind. God knows what you need. How much more value are you than the birds? And which of you were and can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the, to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you, even Solomon, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, and do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. It goes back to what we were saying earlier. Yes. Fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit, and things will work out. And remember who he's talking to. He's talking to his apostles, his disciples, who will become the apostles. And he's saying, if you want to be pure in mind, and pure in motive, and pure in heart, you don't let these things get in the way. Because you become double-minded. Just just look at Paul's experiences when he yes. was carrying the gospel, even, you know, going to Rome, ship, shipwrecked, and and gets Beaten there and, and jailed yeah. and, and then snake un, bit under and, house arrest. Yeah, you know. he had food, he had clothing, he had everything yeah. he needed. Good point. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. That's what you need to eat. It doesn't mean great wealth. Do not fear, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give it and give alms. Provide yourself money bags, which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Critical point. Where your mind is. That's right. Your mind and your motive is going to be on what's important to you. If you're worried about money, yeah. if your mind is fixated on money, then that's your God. Yeah, it, and that's not wrong. You know, we could put 1 Corinthians 9, Paul's writings, into the context here where he said, I have to eat, you know, and yeah. I have a right to lead without a wife and have children if I want to, but that's not my initiative. That's not my will. And if it were, then that's all I'd have coming. Well, if, I, if that's your glory, then that's your glory. Yeah, then you have your reward. Yeah. But a laborer is worthy of his hire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Same so, time, you have to eat. Yeah. And, and, but if you make that uh, the preaching of the gospel a money making adventure, 
Then that's all you'll ever that's, have. That's, yeah, that's all you're going to get. That's what he's saying. Paul said that. He said, then I have my reward. Like Christ said to those who preach, give great sermons in order to be seen of men. They have their reward. Men see them. But those efforts have no more fruitfulness than that. Or like the Pharisees that he just excoriated in the chapter before, that they yep. love getting seen in the synagogues and all the, and all the, you know, the uh, privileges and, and being held up in high regard in, in the community. That's your reward. Yes. You're getting nothing else. It's in, in all this context, it, the, the historical time was being said to his dis- disciples. It was instruction to them who had become the the apostles who would help, who would lay the foundation of the New Testament church, and when preachers then use this in order to take from people, and I say that because I've heard it with my own ears. Don't worry about what you're going to pay your rent with. Give us money to do this and that and the other. That's a mm. misapplication of this. He's talking to uh, to these preachers. You better get this out of your mind, out of your head. This is in the context of double-mindedness. Don't worry about these things. God will give you what you need. This is in the context of Christ sending out the 70. Give no thought about this. You, you know, you'll be provided for. God will make sure you will. But don't lay up treasure for yourself. Verse 35. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourself be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the well wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may find they may open to him immediately. Immediately, blessed are those whose servants, those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Surely I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you... Do you speak this parable only to us or to all the people? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom the master will make ruler of his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying its coming and can, begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk. The master of that servant will come in a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the believers, with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and will not prepare himself to do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who does, did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripe, shall be beaten with few. For every one to whom much is given, from him much will be required, and to him much has been commi- and to him whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. So there's justice in what God does. 
I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to bring give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five and one house will be divided three against two, and two against three. Father will be divided against son, and son against father. Mother against daughter, and daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. What he goes on to talk about interpreting the time here, but I'm I'm still kind of back in this this last one. Um, okay. Can we can we walk through that a little bit here? Um, he's saying you must be ready, uh, and and he's talking about coming and finding them watching. Um, is this really basically for the apostles to to follow what they're told, to follow their directions? Well, he was asked the question here, are you talking to us or are you talking to everybody? Right. And it appears like he's saying whoever is whoever it applies to. That's the way I see it. Uh, and, of course, exceptionally to the, to the disciples and their role. But I'm not sure that he has told them yet that he will return a second time. Now, that maybe they should have known it. I mean, isn't it later that he even tells them that he's, he must die and yeah, be raised? It, it didn't sink in for them yeah. until afterwards, and he taught them. But it, it just the master is delayed in his coming. Uh, he finds the people, some of the people up in the in the previous verses, watchful, and then here he he comes and uh, the the servant is beating the other servants and eating, and drinking, and being drunk. Um, I guess what's the real lesson that he's trying to teach here? He's saying that whenever God has given you something to do and your do responsibility, it. get busy doing it and be yeah. diligent in doing it and don't uh, be slack in it because God judges correctly. Don't be thinking there's time. I'll get to that when I get to that. Yeah. I need to do these other things. And it goes for everybody. And, of course, Christ had told them that the parables were to hide the meaning from others he didn't want to know and to reveal to them. But it does not say in every single parable that we read here that he then gave a further explanation. And I, I believe that it was not until much later that these things came back and the understanding of it was given. Yeah. Mm. Well, And also Richard pointed it out at the end of that section, everyone to whom... Oh, this is the last half of verse 48. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. Yeah. And for him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. You know, there's a justice principle there. Yes. Okay, not, not a, I mean, he can give me and you and somebody else a gift, and we're expected to use it. But my gift may be totally different than yours, and... I can only benefit a few people where you can benefit a whole bunch of people and so on. So your your reward is proportionate and your penalty is proportionate. Equity. Mm -hmm. Fairness. Yeah, equity. Yeah. To everyone. Yeah. Right. For every purpose, really. Yes. Where are we now? 54? 54. Then he's, 
also said to the multitudes, Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say a shower is coming. And so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say there will be hot weather, and there there is. Hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth. But how is it you do not discern this time? Yes, and why, even of yourselves, do you not judge what is right? When you go with your adversary to the magistrate, make every effort along the way to settle with him lest he drag you to the judge, the judge deliver you to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you shall not depart from there until you have paid the very last mite. He, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. Do you suppose I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. Yes. What's he saying here? Because the time for him pouring out his Holy Spirit upon all mankind has not yet occurred. You see the hatred of Christians today, regardless of whatever brand of Christianity that is, there is, even when whole households, God is not calling everybody. Christ is not calling everybody to the same thing at the same time. He gives judgment to where he gives judgment, and it's not all equal. And this environment, ever since his death, has caused many, it's caused persecution on Jews. It's called, caused persecution on Christians. Christians yeah. Yes, he didn't come to bring you happiness right now. He came to develop character and to raise up sons. And he has a longer plan of salvation for all mankind than is typically preached and believed today. The the Garden of Eden is not here yet. That's not that time. Yeah. yeah. So we shouldn't look for it. We shouldn't. He's telling them they should not be looking for it at that moment because his death is going to bring something uh, that's going to be a, a terrible time for many. Well, and they're kind of expecting him to be the conquering king and that he's going to restore the kingdom of yes. Israel. Oh, yeah. And, and that all. ain't what's coming. Yeah. No. Not I'm coming here to cause division, not mm-hmm. unity. Okay, well, we are right at an hour, so uh, I think we'll leave it here. Any parting thoughts? We just can't get more than three chapters in a week, can we? Oh, that's all right. (laughs) slow readers. Let's let's take our time. No, it's good. I've been really enjoying these on on Luke, so. Well, there are things here, you know, as we read through, we can, uh, I think, you know, we can pause and discuss that for a while, but, you know, our purpose is, or my purpose anyway, is not to, preach sermons to people anybody who has an interest in the gospels has at their fingertips today the ability to study every one of these things and commentaries about these things but you know what we're trying to do here i think is to put it in the proper perspective of time and what we think is purity toward restoring the true gospel or deliver the truth that was once delivered to the saints yeah, well, I think it also helps um, just hearing what the Spirit has shared with others yes. in an explanation of things. It's it's kind of sharing what the sh- what the Spirit has shared with you, and I, I think it just helps us all. And hopefully, that's that's where we're going with this. I agree, and and uh, sometimes you know the commentaries can be good, but 
you know, got to remember they're just usually one man's perspective. Yeah. And uh, some of them can lead you astray. Yes, exactly. Yes, they can. So, you know, what what you just said about the Holy Spirit, you know, we can, I mean, he's given me certain knowledge. He's given you, Richard, and we can interject that in this f- format. Yeah. And, and but he's given it to others as well. Well, true. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's their responsibility to get into God's word and dig it out. And and if they're listening to these, they they the spirit should be there too. I'd actually recommend that before you start a podcast, pray. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Well, uh, thank you guys for coming in, and we thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.